0: Today's scripture reading comes from Isaiah 62. I'll read the first seven verses and then skip ahead to verse 10 and read verses 10 through 12. Hear now today's scripture reading. For Zion's sake I won't keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I won't sit still, until her righteousness shines out like a light and her salvation blazes like a torch. Nations will see your righteousness, all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name, which the Lord's own mouth will determine. You will be a splendid garland in the Lord's hand, a royal turban in the palm of God's hand. You will no longer be called abandoned, and your land no longer be called deserted. Instead, you will be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. Because the Lord delights in you, your land will be cared for once again. As a young man marries O young woman, so your sons will marry you. With the joy of a bridegroom because of his bride, so your God will rejoice because of you. Upon your walls, Jerusalem. I have appointed sentinels continually all day and all night they won't keep silent you who call on the lord don't rest and don't allow god to rest until he establishes jerusalem and makes it the praise of the earth verse 10 pass through pass through the gates prepare the way for the people build build the road clear away the stones raise up a signal For the peoples, this is what the Lord announced to the earth's distant regions. Say to daughter Zion, look, your deliverer arrives bringing reward and payment. They will be called the holy people, redeemed by the Lord, and you will be called sought after, a city that is not abandoned. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today, on this snowy Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, as I mentioned earlier, we will continue in our training season, moving forward to get faith fit and faith healthy. The first week, like all beginnings to any new workout regimen or any new gym membership, we had our orientation day. We were reminded to lift our eyes to the Lord and the glory of how the glory of the Lord rises upon each of us. And last week, we celebrated the baptism of our Lord Sunday. And we were reminded to hydrate, 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 to continually return to the living water of God for sustenance, for nourishment and restoration. And this week we're considering, though, what happens when we hit a wall. Not literally, hopefully, but figuratively, metaphorically. When motivation wanes and it feels like we cannot take a step forward in faith. We've all been there, right? Physically? You know what I'm talking about. We've signed up for a workout class, we've entered a road race, and we know we should get out there and go run or exercise, but we cannot find the inner strength to get out of bed, to put on those tennis shoes, to find the studio or the pavement. It's been a long week and we're just tired and we don't want to do that today. We know all the reasons we should do it right. We would feel good afterwards. We'd lose some calories. We'd be a step closer to our ideal body weight, but getting there is the problem. There's comfort in the bed. Or maybe we actually started already. We're in that hour-long class. We're out on that three-mile loop and we're halfway done. And we've started out strong, but now we're not sure if we can take another step. It's so painful. Our calves ache. We're short of breath. But what should we do? We know we should finish proud. Our relatives would be proud of us. We would be proud of ourselves. But sometimes it seems much easier to just turn back than to push on. After all, we know where we've come from, and we've only got a glimpse of where we're headed. Faith and the Christian journey of discipleship can be a lot like this at times as well, right? Right? Sometimes it can feel like another task on our to-do list, to attend and to engage in worship, to join a small group, to donate and participate and friends at the front door, to build an accountability community. It's easier to stay in our beds, more comfortable, enjoyable to go to brunch, less difficult to just keep our mouths shut than to face injustices head on. Or maybe we've been hurt by the church. We don't really love what we've been told about God and so we're disinterested. And it seems like a lot of problems would be caused if we moved forward in faith. We either know the comfort of our current situation and don't want to disturb that or alter that, or we know the discomfort in our life and blame it on God, maybe, and and don't want to go on anymore. But either way, despite the circumstances, the question becomes, how do we still move forward in faith? How do we see that the benefits of moving forward in faith outweigh the consequences of quitting how do we remain in faith even when it gets hard and when we don't want to this is the question for us today but lucky for us the prophet isaiah seems to have a few answers this portion of isaiah Chapter 62 is part of what is often referred to as biblical, by biblical scholars as Third Isaiah, because it appears to be written in a different time and to a different set of people than other parts of the book. The first part of Isaiah is written, you see, to a rebellious and corrupt people in Jerusalem who are concerned about God's coming judgment and on them and their greediness. And Isaiah talks about this and how he predicts how Assyria and Babylon, because of their actions, are going to come and conquer Israel and Judah and bring about exile, going to lead them into exile. And what he prophesies eventually does come true. And so 2nd Isaiah chapters 40 through 55 appear to be written during or immediately after this exilic period. And the prophet proclaims God's intentions to bring about defeat of the Babylons and return to those in exile. And eventually, this does happen. Third, Isaiah, the portion of the book which scholars call post-exilic, after the exile, chapters 56 through 66. And what we're talking about today, this is realized. People are returning to Jerusalem, and you think it would all be great news, but things aren't all hunky dory. Judah and Jerusalem are not as they had left it. They are in ruins. And they are not the people who left Jerusalem and Judah. They are a people who have seen some things now. They have experienced some things. Things have made them tired. Things have made them disinterested in faith. They have experienced oppression and hardship. They have experienced abuse and neglect and they they wonder if God cares and they don't know how to keep moving forward in faith. Quitting seems easier. Is that relatable to any of you? Long tired of this pandemic, long tired of uh, a socioeconomic condition, long tired of seeing poverty or experiencing poverty, long tired of racism, long tired of sexism, long tired of homophobia in the church and the world. And you just quitting sometimes feels easier. But Isaiah says we can't. Isaiah encourages the Israelites here, as he encourages us today to not give up. But why? Why should we not give up? It's for Zion's sake. For Jerusalem's sake, we cannot keep silent and we cannot rest. It's that opening that is so key to me. He reminds God's people, first, what happens when they give up? The easiest way to keep going or to move forward into faith is to remember what's at stake when we quit. He harks back to the previous chapter, chapter 61, and he implies that the justice that God promised then Liberty for the captives, binding up the brokenhearted, the release, the prisoners, all these things that we've talked about earlier or later at the end of last year that Jesus talks about in Luke 4 will not happen if we do not keep them on track. If we do not stay on top of God's word, we do not put in the work and continue the race for zion's sake for jerusalem's sake if we want to see justice we've got to keep the issues where they're supposed to be in front of god and in front of god's people if you don't cross the finish line you'll never receive the reward I've heard stories, I've seen those weight loss TV shows like My 600 Hundred Pound Life, and people are tired of weight holding them back from being with their kids at sporting events and um, being winded on family vacations. And so they set out to lose their weight because they know there is a lot at stake. Love, family, abundant life justice liberty freedom it's the same with faith it's the same with the christian journey there is a lot at stake my friends if we quit life health love joy and so we must first push through that's the first reason we must first push through but isaiah also reminds the people that they've been in exile The land termed forsaken, the land termed desolate. Did you hear those words? Sometimes the best motivation for moving forward if we don't remember what's at stake is remembering where we've been. I've come this far, I'm not turning back now. I felt this one particularly recently as I, closing up my studies in a Masters of Divinity, just so I can serve the church and the United Methodist Church better. But it's a lot of work. It's a lot of writing. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot after a long days working at the church, um, going to classes all day. And I can't deny it sometimes crossed my mind that maybe I could just quit. But then I think I've completed two and a half years of study already. I've got one semester left, I've come this far, and there's no turning back now. Think about today where God has carried you personally, where God has brought you and your family and your ancestors, how you've made it to this place, to this screen, to this spirit of worship today. If God brought you this far, no use quitting on God now. There's a lot at stake, and God has gotten you this far. Push through. Lastly, Isaiah reminds us that we can push through because we've trained for this. This kind of endurance, this ability to persevere will not happen overnight. It takes repetition. It takes practice. It takes building habits. Pass through, pass through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build, build, he says again, the road clear away those stones the life of faith is not a sprint but a marathon it takes training maybe walking a mile at first reading a parable of jesus then jogging two tackling luke and acts you can do it and then maybe you get brave and you go for five miles you join a church Bible study or small group on the prophet Isaiah, perhaps. Or you start serving at friends at the front door and before long you're up to 10 to 15 miles, having accepted a leadership role in the church and studying semester long disciple Bible study courses and now maybe leading the missions team. You've built up those faith muscles, your faith endurance. And so when the doubts come and the hardships happen, they will happen. You remember you're not alone. God has been there for people with doubts before. And you know the stories of Moses and David and Ruth and Esther and Paul. And if you forget your own strength, you've set up a system of reminders as well. A system of friends and peers to keep you focused, to keep you going did you catch that upon the walls of Jerusalem? The prophet writes, I've posted sentinels all day and all night. Do never remain silent to be a reminder, to be an accountability partner with you, to push you through. The most physically fit people I know do not work out alone. They either go with a friend or a partner to the gym or they hire a personal trainer or participate in a group fitness class or join a running club. They do this because it's easier to keep going when they have accountability, when there is cheerleaders there for you just to say, yes, you can do one more rep, one more set, push through. You got this hill. You can keep going. The same is true with faith. The most spiritually healthy people have accountability groups. They participate in small groups. They have close circles of friends that encourage them in the midst of doubts and loneliness, personal and emotional turmoil. Do you have this? They remind them of of their faith training that they've had and their ability to keep moving forward. Remember what's at stake. Remember how far you've come. Remember you've trained for this and you'll have friends supporting you along the way that's how you push through i will conclude by saying and i would be remiss if i didn't that few in recent history have embodied this kind of perseverance and faith fitness that the prophet isaiah articulates christ embodies and that we are called to live out more and the Reverend Dr Martin Luther King Jr whom we honor this weekend he knew what the prophet was speaking about here he knew about this encouragement he knew how to to remind people to push through the obstacles that entered their paths When the doubts came, when racism threatened his own life, when laws sought to diminish civil rights, when he was jailed and beaten and then shot for advocating for the poor and oppressed, he knew about remembering what was at stake, where he came from and where he was going, the training he had worked on for this undertaking and who was supporting him along the journey. One of my favorite times he articulated this was actually in his last speech in support of striking sanitation workers in the Mason Temple in Memphis, Tennessee on April 3rd, 1968, the day before he was assassinated. He says, let us keep the issues where they are The issue is injustice. We're going to march again. We've got to march again in order to put the issue where it's supposed to be and force everybody to see that there are 1,300 of God's children here suffering, sometimes going hungry, going through dark and dreary nights, wondering how this thing is going to come out. We aren't going to let any mace stop us. We are masters in our nonviolent movement, in disarming police forces. They don't know what to do. I've seen them so often. I remember. In Birmingham, Alabama, when we were in the majestic struggle there, we would move out of the 16th Street Baptist Church day after day. By the hundreds, we would move out. And Bull Connor would tell them to send the dogs for us, and they did come, but we just went before the dogs singing Ain't Gonna Let Nobody Turn Me Around. Bull Connor next would say, Turn the fire hoses on. And as I said to you the other night, Bull Connor didn't know history. He knew a kind of physics that somehow didn't relate to the transphysics that we knew about. And that was the fact that there was a certain kind of fire that no water could pour out. And we went before the fire horses; We had known water. If. We were Baptist or some other denominations, we were immersed. If we were Methodist or some others, we were sprinkled, but we knew water. They couldn't stop us. And we just went on before the dogs and we would look at them and we'd go on before the water hoses and we'd look at it and we'd just go on singing, over my head, I see freedom in the air. And then we would be thrown in the paddy wagons and sometimes we were stacked in there like sardines in a can and then they'd throw us in and old bull would say, take them off. And they did and we would just go on in the paddy wagon singing, we shall overcome. And every now and then we'd get in the jail and we'd see the jailers looking through the windows, being moved by our prayers and being moved by our words and songs and there was a power there which Bull Connor couldn't adjust to. And so we ended up transforming Bull into a steer, and we won our struggle in Birmingham. The ability to push through in faith is rooted in what Martin Luther King Jr. states in the words of the prophet Isaiah, in the embodiment of Christ, and in our call as Christians discipleship. When we remember what is at stake, the least, the lost, the lonely, the poor, the outcast, the oppressed, those on our streets who are cold, who are hungry. When we remember that every life is precious, including our own, Remembering where we've come and how much we've overcome already. Remembering our practice, our training. Training some more, building up those muscles to make the most of the marathon. Turning to God and God's word as often as we can. And finding that team, that team to support us along the journey Sentinels on the roof that can sing day and night, salvation is coming, I promise. One more rep, one more lift. Reminding us to push through. You can push through. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.